Super Talk Mississippi media production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome back to the Eagle Hour. We're glad you're with us this afternoon. Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. As always, our thanks to First Bank. Great people. Home with the Perfect Ten for their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun Herald joining us today. USM pitching coach Christian Ostrander on the show as well. And Kelly Sander will wrap things up with us uh, later in the hour. Opening segment sponsored by Dickey's Barbecue Pit. It's a great night for barbecue. Good NFL football on TV tonight. College football as well. What a great time to pick up some fresh barbecue from Dickey's. They'll deliver it right to your house if you prefer. Whatever you choose and however you choose to eat it, just be sure it's Dickey's Barbecue. All right, we go to the coast. Patrick McGee, the professor from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. Much to talk about today, Patrick. We'll get to uh, Jack Abraham here in just a moment, the departing uh, Southern Miss quarterback. But first, give our listeners an update on where we stand with the coaching search and uh, what you think is the the hottest tip right now in that regard. Well, you know, it's hard to peg a favorite at the moment because there's still a fair amount of time between, uh, you know, a fair amount of time, probably less than two weeks. But it looks like, I know uh, Jeremy McClain said a deadline for late November to make a hire that may go into the you know early in December just because of the difficulty of the season and how many games are being postponed. Uh, so I mean, here fairly soon there probably will be a coach in place. As far as who the favorite is, I'm not sure. I, I think there's the there's the candidates who have generated the most buzz and probably have the most uh, uh, kind of substance to the, their names are probably Will Hall, uh, Kane Womack. Uh, then you have guys like uh, uh, Ron Roberts, uh, who's a Baylor defensive coordinator. Uh, outside of that, it, it's kind of hard to nail on who, on who would be at the top of the list or who would really be in the running. I know Jamie Chadwell is somebody that the Coastal Carolina head coach is somebody uh, uh, that's, that sh- should generate some speculation and, and is, is uh, without a doubt probably her from Jeremy. Uh, but his prospects of uh, getting a nice job, you know, a, another job or improving just uh, you have jobs coming open, and he's probably going to have some better-paying, better opportunities, whether it's at South Carolina or even possibly at Vanderbilt. Uh, and there'll be some probably a handful of other jobs that come open. So uh, Chadwell's coaching an undefeated team and not making a whole lot of money in the buyout wouldn't be very much. Uh, so he would be an easy hire to make for a lot of programs. Uh, so I, I think the odds of, say, Southern Miss hiring at J- Jamie Chadwell don't seem great at the moment. But, you know, Rhett Lashley, the Miami offense coordinator, somebody I kind of mentioned, from the outset, I think to me he would be a you know an ideal type of guy to hire. Uh, it, it, but again, it, you know he's he's with a Miami team that's only got one loss on its record and they're playing meaning meaningful games at the moment. So it's, it's just hard to kind of uh, make that move. I know J- Jeremy wants a guy with head coaching experience, but it's just hi- hard to hire a head coach whenever there's games still be play- being played. Is it an attractive job you think overall to these these men that you're mentioning, Patrick? 
Well, whenever, you know, Jeremy, uh, you know, uh, told me that he was willing to pay, you know, uh, a, a lot more than what Jay made, I think it, the job became much more attractive. Uh, Jay was making 500 The next coach will probably make uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 800000 or even more than that. So uh, I, I think it has become a more attractive uh, spot, and the quality of candidates are looking, have, have, you know, maybe – Right after Jay left, you're thinking, well, who's going to take the job? Because, you know, maybe they bump it up to 600, uh, but still that's not going to draw that much. But I think really kind of upping the pay pool for the head coach and the assistants, that really did make the job more attractive. All right, Luke. Patrick, two two guys, you know, I think realistically, I think Will Hall is is a realistic candidate. And one of the interesting things about him is Tulane finishes their season on the 28th. Of course, they may have a bowl game in there, but as far as a regular season, he, he didn't have any games in December, and that would give him two and a half, three weeks, you know, to be able to do something uh, before signing day. Uh, you could announce him on, on November 30th. Kane Womack, on the other hand, I think uh, is probably the best candidate that understands the Southern Miss program in and out. And and do you do you feel this way? Like you know, people saying, "Well, we're always trying to hire one of our own. We need new blood, fresh blood." Kane Womack is not a guy that you can kind of pigeonhole and in, into you know he just be another Southern Miss guy. I think those are two interesting dynamics with both of those guys. Yeah, obviously he's got you know. Uh, significant ties to Southern Miss, but I, I don't. You don't necessarily view him as just you know. Oh, he's a former Southern Miss player. He's you know, uh, uh, Kane's really on his way up. You know, his career still young at 33, uh, but he's he's done a good job. He's coming off a shut <laughs> shutout win over uh, Michigan State. His team's ranked number nine in the nation. So uh, whether he's a you know a former Southern Miss player or not, he would be a serious candidate at Southern Miss and probably some other school. Uh, maybe not as a head coach at this point. He's still young, uh, but he's maybe a year or two away from you know uh, really being on, on the radar of a lot of schools. And for Southern Miss, he makes some sense in a lot of regards in terms of young guy bringing you know uh, uh, energy to the program. He's on the defensive side, which you know Jeremy's open to hiring the defensive side. But I think if if you go back through Southern Miss's history, most most success has come from head coaches who have come from the offensive side of the ball. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Kane's got a lot of things working for him. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he doesn't really fall into the idea that he's just a Southern Miss guy. Yeah. How concerned are you that uh, that there's going to be roster attrition because of the uncertainty? I mean, is that something Southern Miss fans really need to be concerned about? Uh, because you know, because of just the weirdness of the the hire and the season. And do you think there's significant um, skilled people and, and starters that might not be on this team next year because they enter the portal? Well, it has basically been the season of attrition. Uh, so it's, you know, it, it, you know, I think the guys that are there now uh, would like to, you know, if they have eligibility remaining, they would like to come back. I'm sure seniors have a lot of decisions to make. Uh, but, yeah, whoever comes in has got to kind of stop the bleeding and do a job of recruiting the guys he wants back on that Southern Miss team. Uh, <laughs> there are going to be a lot of gaps to fill on that on that Southern Miss roster uh, because so many JUCO guys have been signed, and you're not going to have a lot of opportunity to sign a lot of guys. Uh, but you know, with more attrition, I guess you have more scholarships come open. Uh, it's it's a real challenge. I mean, uh, it, you know, maybe you equate it to the situation that Todd Munkin walked into. 
uh, or maybe even it's, it's even worse in terms of roster numbers and everything else. Uh, it's it's somebody's got a lot of work to do whenever they come in. All right, Patrick. A couple minutes left before we uh, before we run out of time. Let's get the inside story on Jack Abraham. The kid's been the starting quarterback here for the last couple of years, and poof, twenty twenty, he's gone. Yeah, uh, uh, Jack. I think it was the uh, the Thursday before the the game in Western Kentucky informed the staff that he would uh, that he would not be playing the rest of the season. He had, was coming off a concussion. Uh, was dealing with some lingering stuff from COVID-19. Nothing serious, but, you know, anything really can kind of slow you down at this level. Uh, so, it, you know, uh, it, the, the the risk of going back out there and getting another concussion would have been pretty, you know, could have been pretty significant. Uh, you know, uh, Matt Kubik wants to run his system, and, he, you know, he mentioned this week he wants a little bit less uh, change in terms of scheme from quarterback to quarterback whenever you go from a, a Jack Abraham to a Tate Watley to a, a Trey Lowe, those, those are all different quarterbacks, and Jack simply isn't uh, a Tate Watley or a, or a Lowe in terms of running the ball. So uh, I think there was some concern that, you know, Cubic uh, you know, was going to continue to put, you know, Jack in positions to run the ball, and that, you know, kept open the possibility of more, you know, another concussion. And, he, you know, Jack wants to play football next season, and, and he he just you know in terms of his health and and everything else he I think that's what it came down to is he was trying to protect himself and and being able to play another season. Will he play here or will he be playing elsewhere? I, I wouldn't expect him to play here at this point. I, I think the like I told you before, I think the writing's on the wall. I wouldn't expect uh, Jack to be playing. He, he wanted that opportunity to play uh, next season at Southern Miss, but you know it, the way everything's kind of gone down the last week, uh, it seems unlikely. And will Tate Watley play Saturday? Uh, well, early in the week, Billings was optimistic uh, that he was going to play, and I, I think the expectation that he was he would be cleared and ready to go. So, uh, if he's ready to go, if he if he's ready to go right now, he'll be he'll be playing quarterback on Saturday. All right, thirty seconds left, Luke. You got anything for the professor? What do they got to do uh, Saturday, Patrick? And does Tyrone Nix not being uh, on the field help Southern Miss? I, I don't. I mean, it's uh, uh, this is a game where Southern Miss is going to be. A, I haven't seen the, the 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 line on it, but it's going to be a game to where it's going to be tough for Southern Miss to come out and play well. But if they play offensively like they did Liberty with with Tate behind center, that they'll have a chance to score points and compete. Uh, it really all comes down to who's healthy and who's playing there on offense. All right, Patrick. We needless to say, always appreciate your input. Look forward to our conversations with you uh, every Thursday. Stay COVID free, my friend. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. All right, thanks. Y'all too. Patrick McGee, everybody, the professor for the Biloxi Sun-Herald. We'll be right back. Christian Ostrander, pitching coach for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, scheduled next on the show. Southern Miss to the top. 
want to thank the professor, Patrick McGee, from the Biloxi Sun-Herald, joining us in the first segment of the show. This segment, sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. That's where you go, and Christmas is just around the corner for your Southern Miss Christmas gifts. Campus Bookmart open Monday through Saturday on Hardy Street across from the campus, or you can shop online at CampusBookmartMART.net. Christian Ostrander is the pitching coach for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, and I just believe everyone agrees, has just done an incredible job uh, since he came to the staff and improving the pitching staff. And uh, we're happy to have him on the Eagle Hour. Coach, I know you guys are getting close to uh, wrapping up fall baseball. And, you know, we all miss baseball so much because we virtually lost our season last year. There's a lot of excitement when you look at this team on paper, and it looks like you've got just about your entire pitching staff coming back. You must be feeling pretty good about things, Coach. Well, I mean, I am always cautiously optimistic, and uh, but no, it's it's been uh, it's been a blessing this this fall, you know, just because there's so much experience back, and uh, it's just been a, a fun fall of being able to go out there and just work and, and try to you know get better and compete. We've been able to play. Heck, I think we've played 18 inter squads uh, this fall, which has been great, and uh, so it, it's been fun. It's been a great fall, and uh, yeah, and having a bunch of familiar faces back and uh and a few new guys that have fit right in it's gone really well coach am i right that your your weekend rotation is virtually all back is that correct yeah i mean it is every guy that you know the guys that threw last year in the weekend rotation are, are is back um you know that that that's that's fact and uh but i'll be honest with you there's a lot of competition going on for for these spots it's uh it's going to be very fun to watch these guys you know uh, battle it out and, uh, you know, and earn that whatever it is, you know, whether it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. Right. Coach, who are some of the new faces that uh, fans will maybe see on the mound this spring that you feel really good about right now? Well, we've got uh, five new pitchers, uh, four of them high school kids, and uh, one of them is a junior college transfer, the only junior college transfer uh, we have on the mound. Um uh, start with him, Garrett Ramsey. He came from Heinz Community College. He's the Northwest Rankin High School product. Uh, you know, we signed Garrett to, to really be a back-end guy. Um, and, and, boy, does he have the stuff to do it. Uh, you know, he's a 90-92, 93-mile-an-hour righty that uh, has one of the best sliders I've ever coached. You know, I ever had to, uh, you know, ability, you know the, the luck to coach, I guess. Uh, the stuff. Is there? I mean, it screams back in. It screams that uh, he's just got to, you know, he just got to settle in and uh, be consistent because that's the the mark of a good closer or back end guys to be consistent. So, uh, y'all will see him. Then we got uh, four freshmen: uh, Justin Storm, big left-handed, six-six left-handed kid from Madison Central. Um, you know, has had had a good fall, still growing, still learning. Um, Tanner Hall, right-handed pitcher from Zachary High School in uh, Zachary, uh, Louisiana. Um, uh, you know, has had a really good fall, you know, uh, starter-type guy and uh, can really pitch. You know, he just has a lot of pitchability and, uh, and, and is a very strong competitor. Hurston Waldrop, he's from Thomasville, Georgia, just north of Tallahassee. He's a high school kid. Um, Hurston. He is a he is a he's a bull. I mean, he he looks like a thoroughbred out there. Uh, plus, arm up to ninety four this fall. Um, you know, he can he's really got a power arm. Just got to learn how to control it, learn how to harness it, and uh, all that good stuff. And uh, 
And the other one is Will Tynes. Will Tynes is from uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, Airline High School. And uh, Will had a little bit of a uh, kind of came in here with a little bit of a stretch fracture in his elbow. So he's been, you know, he hadn't been able to throw this fall. And uh, But the prognosis was with the rest, he'll be fine by the spring. So that's your new arms. All right, Luke, get in here. Coach, uh, I guess first and foremost, 39 guys on the roster, 21 pitchers. I don't know if you uh, lost a bet with Coach Barry, Coach Creel, and Coach Rhodes, but uh, is this the most you've ever had pitchers on a roster? No, no. I mean, I, you know, I probably have had 21 before or, or 20, 20. You know, I mean, that's, that's not just a crazy number, but it gets crazy when you look at that from 1 to 21. All these dudes can pitch. They can help us, you know, in some form or fashion. Now, do I need 21? No, I don't. I mean, y'all know that. I mean, uh, my standard's always been give me 10 or 12 dudes and uh, let's roll. And, uh, you know, and, and so we're going to have that. So the, com- the competition's very high. Uh, the challenge is going to be to keep them happy, uh, keep them engaged the best you can, and, uh, you know, just all that stuff. But, uh, you know, like I kind of said earlier, you know, we, we've been able to inter-squad so much that we're getting pretty good sample size, and it's, you know, showing, hey, here's where you fall, here's what you've done. So it's it's a good uh, good test, I guess. And uh, But, you know, they think you go home for a holiday break, come back, and, you know, hopefully they, you know, don't lose anything. So a lot of things change from now until February. They can at least. Got a couple questions specifically about some guys I know Southern Miss fans interested in. In, in the first game of the, the World Series this fall, uh, your gold team, no hits. Uh, the black team, Ock uh, came out of the bullpen, Tyler Stewart out of the bullpen. But can you talk for a minute about Chandler Best? He was a guy, man, people really, really excited about him. Struggled a little bit, started finding his stuff, and then, you know, COVID hits. Talk about his improvement, if you would, this fall. Well, Chandler, you know, he, he got he got popped in the mouth a little bit last last year. Really, the first time he's had to handle some adversity, which uh, is not his fault, you know. I mean, and and anyway, you know, it's a big jump from high school to you know starting on the division, you know, Division One level on the weekend. But uh, anyway, he was making strides and and, and everything. And uh, after the shutdown, we talked, and you know, he was already scheduled to go play in the Texas uh, Collegiate League, the TCL, this summer, which didn't start till July. But before then, we had a lot of time because of quarantine, and uh, you know, and what was he wanting to work? What did he need to do? And we we both agreed, you know, he needed to clean his arm path up and shorten it up a little bit so he can get more consistent uh, glove sides, what we call it, getting you know, being able to throw a fastball into a right hander, all that stuff. And uh, man, that dude attacked it. He he was you know while he was quarantined up, you know, he religiously worked his tail off on it. And quite honestly, that's a that's a pretty significant mechanical change to make for a pitcher and it usually takes a pretty good amount of time but he he did some things in a quicker amount of time and was able to go throw with it this summer and at and uh the tcl and had success and he brought it back here and i could see it immediately and i already knew it because of our you know discussions and, and what he was doing but uh it's still a work in progress he's still you know working on just being yeah. More and more, but man, his last two or three starts has been just phenomenal. And, uh, you know, in these inner squads, and, uh, you know, fastballs up to 91, 92, and, and you know, spinning wow. it uh, and stuff. So it's, um, you know, Chandler's, you know, he, the trend's going good for him, but uh, he's going to be there. I don't, you know, like I said, it's like, regardless of last year, I mean, you're going to handle some adversity somewhere, and I think he's better for it. Yeah. 
One one more guy that uh, Southern Miss fans I, I think want to see and hear about. Drew Boyd's a guy, man, highly highly recruited to out of high school. He's just had one injury after the other. I know he pitched, um, I think, Tuesday night uh, for for the goal team. How's his fall been? It's been lights out. I you know, and I'm not trying to sound like everything just you know perfect out here. <laughs> But uh, Drew's, you know, I have a thing we call King of the Hill uh, that we, you know, the it's based on a lot of our, uh, our our metrics, our numbers that we want to try to be good at and stuff. And we tally it up every, you know, the whole fall, you know, so every pitcher is going to be, you're going to have one through whatever. And uh, right now, I mean, unless something changes, Drew's going to win it. Um, you know, and, and I'm talking about things like strike percentage overall, uh, strikeouts, walks. Uh, this, that, all these things, all these you know important metrics to us, and uh, and and it, the numbers don't lie, man. I mean, I think if somebody, if anybody was out there watching us every game this fall, and you saw him pitch every time, you would say, well, that dude's that dude's your best guy right now, and uh, he's been pitching like it. Is he the hardest thrower? Nope. Uh, but uh, he has really found his identity uh, as a pitcher, and it's taken some time because of injury and all that stuff. But uh, you know, and me and Drews, we we, we you know we we been stubborn with one another you know last few years with some things and i think finally we're all me and him together are you know are at a point where hey this is you man this is your identity this is what you are he sees it he feels it and it looks good it's right i love it you know and so we're we're rolling with it and uh you know he, he but he's really really thrown the ball very very well this fall Coach, uh, one last question. We've got about 45 seconds left. You guys uh, had, I guess, been pretty successful maneuvering around uh, the virus. How, how has that affected your fall camp? Uh, you know, we had a little setback there right before we opened uh, our October 9th uh, pro practice, fall practice. And uh, so it set us back a little bit, but nothing bad. Uh, it kind of, I guess, if it had to happen, it was a good time when it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so knock on wood, you know. Tomorrow could be our last day of the fall. If not tomorrow, it's Saturday, and looks like we're going to get through it. And I had a very productive fall. All right, Coach. Well, we already uh, we had one of the commissioners from the league on the show recently, and and we told them they can go ahead now and pencil you guys in as the uh, as the conference champions again this year. We're just we're just waiting for the games to get started, Coach. Well, we can't wait either, and uh, it's going to be a fun team to watch, y'all. Uh, I think they're going to get after it. I don't know how when the dust settles where it'll all be, but. Uh, you know, I think Coach Barry or any other coach would tell you that we've really enjoyed this group and they, they, they work hard and it's fun fun to be around them. We can't wait, Coach. And I, like I told you before we went on the air, that's an understatement. We uh, appreciate your time very much, Coach. All right. Y'all have a great day. Christian Ostrander, everybody. Pitching coach and a really good one for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Baseball, Luke, it's just not that far off. I'm ready. I'm ready. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Back on a Thursday, always great talking to Christian Ostrander, pitching coach for Southern Miss. And, man, Bob, we were (laughs) talking about it during the break. What a stable of arms that he has. You, You look at with Boyd and Best. Hunter Stanley, they were talking about possibly using in the midweek, and and 
You brought up uh, this. It seems as if, you know, where there has been a lack of arms towards the back of the bullpen, it seems like there is an abundance this year. Yeah, as I was telling you, I, I think that's the only – you take the top 25 or 30 college baseball programs in the state, of, uh, in the country, of which Southern Miss is certainly one, and Kelly can uh, chime in on this, the, the level of talent is pretty equal. The difference in the end is who has pitching depth, you know, who – who can get through the regional and the super regional and get to Omaha and, and, and get through that tournament from a pitching depth standpoint. And it sounds like, at least on paper, uh, that the Golden Eagles have made big strides in that direction. But, Kelly, do you agree? That's that's really the difference in, in, in the final eight and, and the top 30 every year. And let me tell you how it has changed in the past 20 years. Is You're seeing more and more Tommy John surgery. It's it's getting to the point now where it's not if a pitcher is going to have Tommy John surgery, it's when. So you because some people say, well, gosh, why are they carrying fourteen pitchers, or why are they carrying you know whatever the number is, and and, and statistically you're going to have three or four of them at least go down during the year with some type of arm problems. The bottom line is is that God did not design the body to to throw you know the arm motion. <laughs> to throw like that. That's why softball, we've talked about this before, that that's why softball pitchers can go out and pitch every single game without any, hardly any rest. Because that motion that a softball pitcher makes is the way the body is physiologically designed to work. Uh, the way yeah. the guys throw baseballs, particularly you throw a wide variety of pitches, it's completely contrarian to the way the body is built. So, yeah, you better have a lot of pitchers and people go, well, some of those guys aren't going to get any work. Well, I'm telling you, you don't know who, but they're going to have three or four or five. And it's not just Southern Miss. It's all college teams now. Pitchers are going to go drop like flies because they're just the arms. And now with more and more travel baseball when they get younger, and you got more and more kids playing just baseball, and they're not playing these other sports. They're playing too much. They're throwing too much. They're pitching too much. It's just bound to happen. Golden Eagles have 21 21- Pitchers available to uh, Coach Ostrander. Of course, Gary Shepard back, Walker Powell back, a lot of guys back. So uh, that that certainly bodes well for Southern Miss. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, home of the 895 lunch. There'll be some football on tonight at 4th Street Bar and Grill, so be sure to stop by. The voice you just heard a minute ago, the familiar one, Kelly John Sander, joining Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Uh, big news yesterday, guys, on the recruiting front for football. We've been talking about how uh, the this coaching hire is so important simply because if we hire a guy in uh, late or early December, the, the, the signing period uh, hits on December 16th, which a new coach would only have about two weeks and uh, to, to get some recruits before that early signing period. And then, of course, uh, the traditional – February signing period, which has become less and less important because a lot of people sign now in December. Either way, NCAA makes an announcement yesterday. Uh, this is from M. Grace Calhoun, who is the chair of the NCAA D1 Council, uh, who also the athletics director at uh, Penn University. The COVID-19 numbers are not trending in the right direction for the council to allow in-person recruiting. So what that means is, guys, the NCAA has officially extended the recruiting dead period through April the 15th. So no official visits, no unofficial visits, no off-campus visits, no in-person visits. 
And Kelly Center, I mean, you talk about an unprecedented uh, year. It continues now into 2021. I mean, you, you got to be wondering, these coaches are saying, how in the world are we supposed to recruit kids, show off our facilities, show off our program when we can't even do anything in person with them? I, I do think it's ironic that they chose April 15th, which is also tax payment day. <laughs> <laughs> as, a day that, uh, as a day that that wraps up. I, I understand what you're saying, Luke, but here's just some food for thought. Most kids these days, I'm told, uh, their preferred form of communication anyway is text message. All right, now, I would have never, you know, dreamed that when I was a kid. But most of these guys are getting recruited by text messages anyway. So I don't think it'll, I, I don't think it'll hurt as far as that goes, as far as, you know, people being in touch. And actually, I think if you're a, if you're a Golden Eagle fan, which we are, this is probably going to help, you know, Southern Miss, for whoever the new coach might be, can come in and assemble a staff, and they can sit down and get their bullet points together as to who are some of the guys they want to go after so that when they can see them face-to-face, they can you know, hit the ground running and, uh, and really make a, a play for these guys. So if there is a silver lining, I think that's with, with our particular situation, with Southern Miss's situation, I think it's going to help, actually. Just, just for me though, you you hear, and and I think you're right on the communication. I'm just talking about the decision making process. How in the world are you oh. supposed to sell a program that nobody can see? How are you supposed to sell, um, you know, the the key aspects of where they're going to live, where they're going to practice, where they're going to dress, where they're going to play, if they can never, you know, if they can never uh, do that and officially, you know, I, I, nothing against. Somebody loading their kid up in the car and and you know driving to Hattiesburg and seeing all that it's just it's just well, weird and, and know, I, I hear what and, you're saying but because of this thing they call the internet which again I think is a fad but but because <laughs> of the internet you can get on just about every school's website now and look you know they've got pictures of the locker rooms and they've got pictures of the indoor facility and the weight rooms and the campus and I mean they're, they're pretty much anymore nowadays you don't. And, and it's a shame, I think, that you don't physically have to be places. But it's not as big of a handicap as it used to be, for sure. All right, Kelly, I hate to be Debbie Downer, but you've got some bad COVID news. Uh, it seems like every day COVID news is worse. But a lot of cancellations, I gather. Yeah, and you can add these to the list of the games that we've already gone over on Tuesday and Wednesday. The following games out have also been scratched for this weekend. Utah State will not play at Wyoming. Houston and SMU is a scratch to Texas schools saying they're not going to play. Michigan State was scheduled to play at Maryland, but the Maryland head coach has tested positive for COVID. So the Terrapins will not host Sparty this weekend. Wake Forest at Duke, we talked about that one yesterday. Central Arkansas at Louisiana Lafayette, that game has been canceled. UNLV at Colorado State, that game will not be played. And Navy... I think for the fourth week in a row, Navy was ready to play, can't play. They were scheduled to go to South Florida. And, of course, Florida having some more problems. So Navy will not play at South Florida. One big game in the state of Mississippi that will be played will be down in Perkinston tonight, just south of uh, Wiggins on Highway 49. The Jones Bobcats and the Gulf Coast Bulldogs and the MACCC will play for the South Division title, it would appear. Of course, if Gulf Coast wins it, they'll for sure go. And, Luke, you're going to call that game. If Jones happens to win and, and there's a three-way tie, do we know how that one's going to break between Gulf Coast Yeah, Coke, Hines Jones is done and... for the season. It's a, it's a winner-take-all tonight. So okay. whoever uh, wins tonight will advance to the state championship. And they would play Northwest, is my understanding. The Rangers, um, 
from the North Division with uh, just just a championship game this year instead of semis and a championship. And finally, in the headlines, the Nielsen ratings is reporting that National Football League games are down a bunch. Sunday night games this year down 31% in the ratings. Monday night games down 35%. Uh, one of the games this past Sunday, the Bengals and Steelers drew the lowest uh, the lowest ratings of any game this season. Of course, a lot of people thought they were tuning in to see the biggest loser, but <laughs> being Cincinnati, of course. But uh, nonetheless, but the Nielsen's for the first time are really starting to peel back this onion and see, besides the political messaging that, that fans have said that they don't like, that the league has gone forth with, but they're now starting to say that the baby boomer generation has been the bread and butter of the NFL for so long, and the baby boomers have been with them all the way. Well, as baby boomers are starting to age out, and I mean, I'm, I'm one of the younger boomers at age 59, as baby boomers begin to age out, they're, they're not watching as much football. And I know you're going to laugh at this, but baby boomers are going to bed earlier and earlier. So these games that are played in prime time, a lot of baby boomers aren't staying up that late anymore. That's and, the N- and the NFL and the Nielsen's believe that the NFL cannot count on the next generation to maintain the ratings, that the next generation <sighs> under the baby boomer generation just is not enamored with professional football soft. Or sports. They're or soft, sports Kelly. They're soft. It just it's just a different end, Bob. Just a different generation. They're not. Yeah. They're just not into sports. This has got to be part of it, too, guys. And I love NFL football, but I find it difficult to watch these games where there's zero people in the stands. The games, even when they let a few people in, are much more entertaining. But it, to me, it's just almost impossible to sit there for three hours and watch these teams play. With zero attendance in the in the, these huge stadiums, because it's almost like you're just watching them practice. I mean, do you so think that, that's part of it, Kelly? So, if that's the case, Bob, it'll be interesting to look at the statistics next year when they come out. When, by all you know, by all indications, we will have fans next year. The vaccine is on the way, so we'll compare the numbers next year to the numbers this year, and we'll see if the Nielsen's are right about the baby boomers, you know, retiring, so to speak, right. and the next generation dropping the ball. And mercifully, fans will not be allowed in the Washington-Cincinnati game this Sunday. And for that, they should be thankful. We'll be well, back. Well, yeah, they're only letting pro games be played this weekend. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Back on a Thursday, this segment brought to you by Toyota of Hattiesburg. Located online, toyotahattiesburg.com and in person on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Let Toyota Hattiesburg help you with your new vehicle purchase. Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel Kelly John Center continues on the phone. Uh, one week from today, guys, Thanksgiving. A lot to be thankful for this year, Bob Getty, and we, we've made it to the 11th month of the year. Two of the three of us have made it through COVID. I, I don't, uh, hope you get it at all, Bob Getty, but, but, uh, yeah, just, it's just going to be a weird, 
holiday season. Is that uh, the understatement of the week? No, that you really couldn't say it any better. It's it's been the worst year on record, and and I guess what we're all hoping for is there there appears to be a light at the end of the tunnel, and that is the uh, vaccines that that we're hearing about now. And and uh, but I got to tell you, man, it's pretty scary going into the holidays. And you know, Kelly, uh, you've dealt with this obviously, but right now I, I think the the level of concern and fear may be higher than it's been since all of this started. Am, am I wrong about that? Well, they they're directly they directly correlate to the number of cases that are going on. Um, you know, early in the pandemic, the southern states were really really struggling with this, and now the northern states are going through problems, and some of the northern states are having their second wave already. What scares me, being a sports fan, even going forward, when you look at the data and research. Of, you know, if people are being honest when they're polled, 55% of respondents in polls say even after the vaccine, they're going to think long and hard about going to sporting events indoors. I can see that. No, people I, I see people that. have all of a sudden become more germophobic than they've ever been. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, if, if indoor attendance is going to be down 50% even after a vaccine, how is that going to change? the landscape of college yeah. sports. Well, you know, everybody has a Christmas list. All I want for Christmas, Kelly, is a vaccine shot. <laughs> Somebody give me a give me a shot. You don't have to give me a present. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I'll, look, I'll take one in each arm and, well, I'll just mm-hmm. take one. <laughs> and each cheek, too. Is that what you're about to say, <laughs> yeah, Kelly? Yeah, that's, that's, that's right, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, when they you talk to physicians and they talk about any time a, a vaccine, any vaccine, gets a 60 to 70 percent efficiency rating they're very happy with that well these covid vaccines that are coming out and have a 90 to 95 percent efficiency rate so it's, it's going to be pretty good stuff once it comes out but you still you'll still hear a lot of people say well i'm not getting it wow good. Well, i ain't getting it I'm, well I'm my only concern is that, is that the politicians are going to get in the way and and delay it you know i, I wish it were available today and uh I think everybody would feel better about, for example, basketball's upcoming, guys. Right. Don't you think fans in general, especially older fans, are going to feel much better about going to basketball games, you know, at Reed Green if they've had a vaccine shot for COVID? Well, well and, that, and that's what I'm saying. I will, but according to, you know, 50% of the people polled, even with that, they're not going to go to indoor events. Yeah. I don't know. It is pretty astonishing, though. It is pretty astonishing, though, that a vaccine got out this quick, and and I think that that goes to credit the administration and how they basically pulled some of those regulations off and let the private sector do what the private sector does. You know, bypass all the red tape. It is pretty astonishing that we have a vaccine, you know, this quick. Amen. Just get it out to the public and and let them start uh, receiving it, you know. And please, the new administration coming in, don't stop this for political reasons. But anyway, this is not a political show. So I want to go to basketball, Kelly Center. I'm excited about the basketball team. I want a vaccine shot so I can sit there and harass you and and feel comfortable being in in an environment around a lot of people I don't really know. Well, you know, he doesn't harass you, does he, Kelly? The more things. What about her? What about that? No, I said harass you. He doesn't harass you, does he? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, you know, 
What's the grumpy old man? I mean, Bob and I are like Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon sitting at a game. And when Al Holder comes, it's even worse. Right? It's just like um, the three well, old musketeers. Yeah. I mean, I tell you what, it's exciting. I mean, less than two weeks away, guys, from a home game. You've got uh, – we are eight days from opening day of basketball season, but Wednesday, December the 2nd, William Carey crosses town and comes in to, to Reed Green. So we are literally – 13 days from the first home game in and, uh, and some of the old institutions you guys that were that were made famous during the mk turk years the rowdy rail you remember the rowdy rail mm-hmm. and dunk corner mm-hmm. those are coming back this year they're going to have the rowdy rail and the dunk corner and in order to get to, get to sit at the rowdy rail you've got to be you know either three sheets to the wind or two suits short of a deck you either got to be medicated or crazy yeah. Speaking of that, Kelly, I, I did know you developed glaucoma since they passed that medical marijuana uh, deal here in Mississippi. Is it better? It, Bob, it? it's amazing. It happened overnight. That's strange, isn't it, Kelly? Well, I a cure perfectly. may be coming. <laughs> and, and whether it works or not, I won't care. <laughs> Kelly's volunteering for the trials. <laughs> All right. That's enough for one day. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Hope you will, too. Until then, Southern Miss. To the the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. I want to fly like an eagle. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.